In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A question that might not seem too obvious, because we think we know the answer, but one that we must sometimes stop and reflect on before we can answer is this. What is a saint? We know instinctively what a saint is, and we might even be able to call out people who we can name off as saints, like Dear Patsy, or Faithful Jason, or Beloved Jim. But, just like when we know words or phrases, it doesn't mean that we understand their essence. If I asked many of you to tell me where the very familiar phrase of robbing Peter to pay Paul comes from, I imagine that many of you would tell me it is about taking money from one account to suffice the needs of another, or something like that. But you still wouldn't understand the genesis of the expression. I think we are that way with the saints. They just are. They just exist. We grow up knowing the names of a few, like St. Patrick or St. Nicholas. In some traditions, like the evangelical tradition I grew up in, we don't refer to Peter and Paul and James as John as saints. They are just Peter, Paul, James, and John. Where we are located here in South Texas, there are a plethora of saints that we sometimes just gaze past or utter their names without thinking too much. San Antonio, San Diego, Santa Maria, San Fernando, San Jose. Our English word saint derives from Latin and other romantic languages as holy or sanctified. There is a part of our mass, which we should be celebrating again very soon, that we call the Sanctus. And it begins with the familiar holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. In Hebrew, this same word is kadosh, and it means about the same thing, something holy and consecrated, or having a holy power in unto itself. And portions of this word, sanctus, are everywhere. For example, I mentioned a few weeks ago that we are called to be holy, to be set apart, to be consecrated to God's use. And the word we use for that is sanctified. This area here, behind the altar rail, is often called the sanctuary, or the place where holy things occur. There is a candle, just there on your right, that has a red glass around it. It is a sanctuary lamp. And when that candle is lit, we all know that the consecrated bread and wine are in the tabernacle. And it is there to inspire in each of us a sense that we have entered into a holy place. Saint is the same way. We bestow this title on people that we believe to be perhaps better than us or in closer contact with God. 
or who have done the unthinkable in times that have preceded ours, or perhaps have even intersected our lives. I think we can think of two modern-day saints, St. John Paul II and St. Mother Teresa. Long ago, today was a day set aside by the church to celebrate people who had been canonized, but didn't have their own day on the liturgical calendar. Tomorrow is All Souls Day, or the day when we commemorate all the faithful departed, like our grandparents, our parents, our siblings, and our close friends. But I think something has been lost in our ordering of the calendar. Yes, tomorrow we should pray and honor and give thanks for those in our own personal lives that have been a beacon of God's hope and love to us. But that still leaves a gaping hole as to what to do about today. In the first letter of St. Peter, we have this written to the church. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's stop at holy nation for a minute. There's that word again, holy. So what does it mean to be a holy nation? Our gospel today points us to an answer, or at least the beginning of an answer. Blessed are who? Well, the powerful, the merciless, the rich and greedy. No? Makes us stop and think, doesn't it? Blessed are the poor in spirit, they that mourn, the meek, they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemaker, they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, they that are reviled and persecuted. These, my friends, are the hallmark and touchstones of what being a saint looks like. And this is our call. It doesn't only belong to Saint so-and-so. It belongs to you and me, too. Oswald Chambers, in his classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, says it this way. The literal interpretation of the Sermon on the Mount is child's play. The interpretation by the Spirit of God as he applies our Lord's statements to our circumstances, is the stern work of a saint. 
we have already sung one of the great children's hymns of our church. I sing a song of the saints of God. And yes, we all giggle at some of the verbiage in that little ditty. But we really do need to sit down with that text and examine some of the profound teaching that is in it. And as an aside, you will always know good children's hymns because they teach the doctrine of the church in the simplest way possible. And in its simple way, it catches what we should always be looking for, the saints in our lives. We meet them in school or in lanes or at sea, in church or in trains or in shops or at tea. And of course, we might say today that we meet them on Zoom or on freeways or while fishing or on planes, or at the grocery, or at the Starbucks just up the street. But then the catch. And if it doesn't catch you short, then you need to revisit it. For the saints of God are just folk like, like me. Like you. And that's the beauty of it. If we start going down the list of saints, from Peter and Paul, to Clement and Justin, Jerome and Augustine, to Thomas Aquinas and Ignatius, and Teresa of Avila, and Julian of Norwich, and Dorothy Day, and C.S. Lewis, and Thomas Cramner, and Martin Luther King, and Thomas Merton, they are people just like us. My friends, we are the saints. It is not one bit helpful for us to constantly be casting an eye to ages past and say, well now, those are real saints. When we are the living saints, one need not die to become a saint. One only need to be baptized. And as I gaze out here, I already see the saints of God. And like our little song said, and I mean God helping to be one too. So what do saints do? Well, first they pray. And they give. And they commune with God. And they give more of themselves. And they commune and pray more. And in that, they give more. It becomes a constant pattern a prayer, and work, and prayer, and work, and prayer, and work. St. Benedict, who founded what became the Benedictine monasteries, even used this prayer and work as the motto of his order. Ora et labora. 
my dear people of St. Christopher's, can you say that the saints are folk like me? And I mean to be one too. No saint is perfect. Don't worry about that. No saint is divine. They are all just as human as we are today. But they understood what it meant to love God with all their heart and soul and mind. We, too, can follow their example. They patterned their lives after that of Christ. And as one of the old introits for today says, They followed the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. We are the saints that strive to pray, to work, to be more saintly in our daily lives, and as our white-robed martyrs and glorious company of the apostles and the saints we read about, let us strive to follow the Lamb. And just like our friends who have departed this life, who we met through various and many ways, let us like them set an example to others so they can say, and I mean to be 